With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Welcome to another episode of Bucks and Six, a Milwaukee Bucks podcast brought to you by Fans First Sports Network. My name is Stephen Dorff, and alongside me, as always, is my co-host, Hershey Winkleman. Check us out on social media. We're on Instagram and Twitter at Bucks and Six FFSN. And then you can find this and the rest of our podcasts on either Apple or Spotify. So turn those notifications on, leave a like, rating, or review. Uh, let's get into this episode tonight. Hirsch, Bucks, hold off the Knicks in a very gritty win, 110-105 in the first uh, in-season tournament game of the season. So... That's pretty exciting to see uh, lots of stuff, you know, in this game, not very pretty, but the Bucks ended, you know, they got it done in the end, got off to a really, really nice start. I think it was like 11 to two uh, came out firing. Giannis looked really good. Um, But the big thing that I noticed, I guess, was the defensive adjustment we made kind of coming into this game using Brooke Lopez and drop coverage. Hirsch, I know we talked about this on the last podcast that we kind of needed to incorporate that in our defense because that's what made Brooke an elite defender in the first place. Um, nice to see that. Uh, so, and it actually turned out Griff was uh, the players were the ones who wanted him to use that. Hirsch, is that something you like to see from Adrian Griffin taking you know note from his players? Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, that's one of the main things we were kind of hoping for uh, to see. And you mentioned it, you know, we both kind of touched on in our last podcast. Uh, they, they were going to have to do some sort of adjustment and uh, they did that. Brooke Lopez, you know, was fantastic on the defensive end tonight. Um, and the box looked a lot more put together, at least defensively. Uh, and 
you know, wasn't giving up as many easy shots at the rim. So that's definitely good to see. It's also good to see that, you know, Coach Griffin is able to, you know, adjust to what the players are saying, you know, taking their feedback. Uh, you know, that that's definitely something that you like to see because, you know, the Bucs have had pretty stubborn coaches in the past. And uh, Coach Griff looks like he's been pretty flexible, at least to start out the year. Yeah. And another thing that Bucks fans were, you know, yelling at or just, you know, concerned about was the staggering of Damian and Damian Lillard and Giannis's minutes. Tonight, they actually played 27 minutes, like total out of their 36. They both played 36 minutes tonight. So they played 27 of those minutes together. It's really nice to see that because, you know, the more they get to play together offensively and defensively, but especially with that pick and roll, they're going to be able to develop that chemistry. Uh, and then in those nine minutes or so that they weren't playing together, Chris Middleton was in the rotation and having him back actually was, you know, not back, but playing in crunch time, playing 21 minutes, the most he's played this year really, really helped the offense. Uh, it helped it flow. Uh, Dame played Damian Lillard crunch time, Damian Lillard basketball. He had 15 of our 16 points down in the stretch, 30 points on the night. And he was ridiculous from three tonight. Uh, Hirsch, just really nice to see Dame play like that. However, it seemed like Giannis kind of struggled a little bit in crunch time. Is that something you're a little worried about? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think just down the stretch, we saw, you know, a lot of silly turnovers from Giannis. I saw multiple travel calls. I saw him, you know, not know what to do with the ball, be very undecisive. And I think at that mo- at that point, you just got to give the ball to the guys who, you know, have done it for their whole careers. And Damon, Jan- Aaron, uh, Damon, Chris, um, you know, definitely, like you mentioned, great to see Chris Middleton starting to ramp up his minutes. We're definitely going to need him to, you know, get back to his normal, you know, 28, 29, 30 minutes a game coming up here uh, pretty soon. But Definitely, definitely good to see, you know, him playing crunch time minutes. I've been advocating for that throughout the year, uh, even if he's on, you know, a minutes restriction to still have him in there down the stretch simply because of how, you know, important he can be and difficult to guard for the other team. Um, and then, yeah, like you meant, I mean, Jay Crowder and Marjan Beauchamp tonight, I mean, both huge nights uh, for the Bucks, just hitting threes defensively. Uh, Marjan, you know, was able to, defend at least Jalen Brunson to the best of his ability. I mean, I know that's a difficult assignment for him, but yeah, definitely happy to see uh, what I saw from the role players tonight. It's been been a couple nights in a row now where Jay Crowder and Marjan have really stepped up in the minutes that they've gotten. And, you know, that's kind of what we were looking for last year in the playoffs. So if those guys can be, you know, those big athletic wings that we're looking for that can fit into the rotation nicely and play some good defense over a guy like Malik Beasley, and yeah, I think uh, I think the Bucs are in good shape. Yeah, I mean, as you said, uh, Marjan got some time to guard Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson had 45 points on the Bucs again tonight, and yet another night of the Bucs getting torched by a high-level guard. Um, you know, that's the impact of, you know, when you lose a guy like Drew, the best on-ball defender in basketball, and replace him with Damian Lillard, who is the offensive superstar that he is, but, you know, does lack, you know, some of that defensive skill. And then you pair him up with a guy like Malik Beasley. I just don't see this fit. You know, we've been talking, we've been pretty much saying this on every podcast recently. The fit with Damian Lillard and Malik Beasley is not there. Obviously, Damian Lillard is, he's a superstar. He's a guy who can give you 30 a night. He gave us 32 nights. So Malik Beasley, 
I just don't know what the fit is with him, Hirsch. So, is, is like, do you think a bench roll might work, putting Marjan or Jay in the starting lineup? But again, I don't think those guys are going to be able to help with our inability to stop elite guards. I just, but what, like, what do you think? Yeah, I think the Bucks might need to look uh, elsewhere to acquire that because it, it's, I mean, looking at the roster, at least it doesn't look like right now we have a guy who is even capable of stopping a guard defensively. So, whether they need to make a trade or, sign somebody on the buyout market halfway through the year if we're even allowed to do that based on the new CBA. I'm not sure, but because the box, I mean, their, their team is costs a lot of money. And when you, when you have a team that costs that much money, there are some stipulations on, you know, how flexible you can be with your team's construction. So we're, we'll, we'll have to see what they can do, but there might be a trade or two coming down the pipe here. If, if the box can't get this figured out, you know, relatively quickly, uh, it doesn't even need to be a big time deal. Just a guy, just to get a, uh, an on-ball defender, someone who's small, quick, and can stay in front of a guy like Jalen Brunson, Tyler Hero. Uh, who else have we been torched by? Tyrese Maxey, yeah, like uh, Dennis Schroeder, even like we 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 need somebody who can guard a guy who's like that caliber and stop them from exploding. Because if every single night the other team's lead guard is just going to have an explosive night, I mean they're they're we're not going to be able to guard Mike Conley, so it's going to be a problem going forward, definitely for the Bucks. Yeah, if we're going to continue to run this drop coverage, Hirsch, uh, you know we're going to need the right personnel for it. It obviously brings out the best in Brooks' defensive capabilities, but yeah, we're going to need that elite on-ball defender who can you know take that tough assignment for the night. Malik Beasley just does not seem like the guy to do that. I think uh, we should move on to some of the negatives or, you know, improvements per se that need to be made. Uh, Again, another night of just bad rebounding, giving up way, way, way too many offensive rebounds. The Knicks are a great off or a great rebounding team in general. I think second in the NBA averaging like just under 50 a game coming into tonight, but they had 56 total rebounds and 16 of them offensive they shot 39% from the field, 25% from three Hirsch. And it, it was close all night. And that to me is a little concerning. It's nice to see that we got it done in the end. And Damian Lillard, you know, did exactly what we traded for him to do. But the, the offensive rebounding is a problem. That That's that's definitely something I've taken note to. Yeah, I can agree with that fully. I mean, I, that was kind of one of my main points in the last game is that, you know, in our in our loss to the Raptors, we got we got out rebounded by thirty one, um, and tonight we're getting out rebounded again. I mean, albeit like you mentioned, by a very good rebounding team and Julius Randle, gotta give him credit. He he's been a monster on the boards throughout the year, um, but they're de- they're definitely gonna have to you know figure out another adjustment because that 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 again is something that you know. I don't know if it's an effort thing and they're just not trying to get the rebounds or if it's like they're the guys are playing defense too far away from the hoop that they can't crash. But they're again, it's going to need to be another coaching adjustment by or by uh, by coach AG to figure out how to how to fix this rebounding problem because they, they the Bucks can't go throughout the year by getting out rebounded every single night. I mean that that's you, that's not a winning formula in the NBA at all. And when you give all the other team, you know, plenty of extra possessions, they're they're going to capitalize. And we 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 saw that with tonight with the Knicks when they came back from you know the Bucks had a pretty commanding lead throughout the game until you know about midway through the third quarter when they started you know roaring back and we didn't really have any answer for it. Um, so yeah, definitely gonna need to you know shore up on the rebounding. Uh, and another, you know, another point that's been somewhat alarming is the the transition defense. I mean, the guy that we're not getting back on defense uh, when we commit turnovers, 
And definitely, you know, it's going to be a problem because, you know, this this isn't even, even necessarily one of those teams that's going to get out and run one of those super fast teams like the Kings or like the Cavaliers that like to get out and run in transition. Um, you know, if we're, we're giving up 15 fast break points tonight. We're going to give up even more points to teams like the Warriors, the Kings, you know, get teams that have really, really high pace. So I think, you know, that's also going to be an issue. And definitely, definitely it's been a, been a rocky start for, uh, for coach AG defensively, but I think, you know, given time, given, you know, given some gelling, these guys can figure it out. I think. Uh, yeah. I think tonight was definitely a step in the right uh, direction in the half court defense, especially Brooke Lopez, eight blocks, damn near tripled his <laughs> uh, block total coming into the season. So that's great to see, but yeah, the transition defense, you know, on that note, not great. It looks like a lot of guys are just like, you know, Bobby, Chris, you know, whoever just complaining after they think they get fouled or turn the ball over and it, they're just not getting back on defense. It leaves us five on four. I just think it might be as simple as that. The guys are complaining too much like that. At least to me, that's what it seems like. Yeah. I mean, it's a good point. I mean, it, and it becomes a problem with, you know, a lot of teams where guys are just, you know, bagging for calls. And I think that that's definitely a detriment, especially when you have guys like Dame and Giannis who are going to get, you know, superstar calls anyway. You kind of just need to, you know, play and make sure you're getting back. Uh, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I just, yeah, I really want to see these guys just forget about, if you get fouled, you know, forget it, just get back on defense and make it up on the next play. I mean, I think that's it's just as simple as that. Uh, we touched on this a little earlier, Hirsch, but Giannis struggling in the crunch time just – Overall, it just seems like he wasn't very aggressive. I mean, like I said, he got off to an aggressive start, made his first couple shots, but then only had 10 shots on the night. Three of them were three-pointers. I mean, he made all three of them, so that's nice to see. Uh, they were, you know, he started off with the two catch-and-shoots, uh, catch-and-shoot threes. He hit both of them and then walks into one. So if he's going to get his confidence up, take the catch-and-shoots, and if he's feeling it, he's feeling it. But, you know, I want to see him be more aggressive in the paint. Uh, be better as a role man. It just sometimes seems like he doesn't really know what he's doing as a roller. And I think a lot of that just is him not, it was just him not being a roller ever in his career. Um, I mean, yeah, I just think Dame needs to take the ball up like primarily and Giannis needs to be a screen setter, a cutter. Um, and, you know, at the end of the game, actually Giannis had that nice uh, screen action with Dame or Dame came around Giannis as a ball handler. And then he set a screen Dame hits the clutch three. And, you know, I, I like to see stuff like that Hirsch, but just overall, I want to see Dame take the ball up a lot more. Definitely. And and I did see, you know, a couple of times in that, you know, last five minutes there where, like you mentioned, Giannis doesn't seem like he really knows what to do on a pick and roll as the screen setter. Um, you know, obviously we've talked about Giannis's struggle shooting the ball. I saw him twice, uh, at least that I can count in the last five minutes, pop on a pick and roll. Uh, instead of rolling, he popped to the outside. I, I'm not sure why he's doing that, considering that he's he's probably not very effective on a catch and shoot three to, like at the end of the game. Regardless, I'd, I'd rather have him just dive into the rim every time. Uh, number one, you know, it's going to take that defender away and it's going to, you know, cause more attention towards the middle of the paint away from the, uh, the, the ball handler, whether that be Chris or Dame, but also just because I think Giannis is way more effective when he's, you know, within that 15 feet range, um, just rebounding wise and also just, you know, being able to score. So I think having him down there, you know, being able to clean up offensive rebounds and, you know, get putbacks as well as, you know, just being able to be an outlet on like, you know, a post up, 
I think any of the, I think that is much better than Giannis, you know, popping on a pick and roll. And I just think over time, you know, I think that's going to, he'll, he'll, he'll figure it out. I mean, again, it's only game five of him playing with a brand new lead guard uh, and they're going to have to figure it out. But yeah, I mean, you, you'd like to see it sooner rather than later, you know, get, get put together. Yeah. I'm, I think I don't hit the panic button, you know, things haven't looked pretty. I don't hit the panic button until game 30, 40 ish. Uh, back in 2021, you know, we keep going back to this, but it didn't, it took about until game 29 for the things to really click for the bucks, 16 and 13 up until that point. So I guess that's kind of the reference I want to use for this team. And they only had 10 less games that year. So that kind of, you know, we get the 10 extra games. I think that might make a difference, but we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back with, you know, the upcoming games Monday and Tuesday, uh, with Brooklyn and Detroit. And then we're also just going to talk a little bit about this in-season tournament, share our thoughts and opinions on that as well. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we're back on the Box and Six podcast. My name is Hershey Winkleman. He's Stephen Dorf. Uh, let's let's take a quick preview at the the Box next uh, upcoming games. You know, we have a back to back to start off uh, next next week. We have a first game Monday against the three and two Brooklyn Nets. Uh, you know, they've, they've been pretty interesting this season, especially with the emergence of Cam Thomas. I know last year, you know, when they had that, you know, saga with Durant and Kyrie Irving and those guys asking out for trades, Cam Thomas had a week, you know, where he was averaging 40 points a game. Uh, it seems like this year he's kind of just came out of the gates like that. I mean, he's averaging 28 points per game, which is something that I don't really think any NBA fan would would have been expecting. Uh, even in a small sample size. And, you know, they still have a guy like Mikal Bridges, who last year, you know, was a fringe all-star. Ben Simmons has been playing a lot better this year. Uh, looks like he's coming back with a vengeance. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, Brooklyn can also cause us problems if we're not, you know, necessarily on our A game. And I don't necessarily think the Bucs should look at any game at this point as an easy win. I mean, it, clearly the Bucs are going to have to work for these wins early in the season. And I think we can beat them. I think it's just a matter of, like you mentioned, I mean, effort on rebounding, defense, and then obviously, you know, putting it together on the offensive end. But I think the Bucs have a good shot at, you know, beating Brooklyn on Monday. What are your thoughts on on the Brooklyn Nets so far and, you know, the Bucs' chances in that one? Yeah, so uh, Nick Claxton, the starting center for the Brooklyn Nets, hasn't really played this year. So we're unsure if he's going to be able to play on that game in Monday or on Monday. So we'll see that if he doesn't play, that should really help with, you know, the rebounding Nick Claxton's a, you know, athletic big who can play good defense and he's a good rebounder. But, you know, I think the big thing is we're going to really need to contain Cam Thomas and Mikal Bridges, especially Cam Thomas. We've been talking about how guards have just been torching us all year. And I kind of expect that that to continue with Cam Thomas, but I just think the, the overall talent we have, you know, over the Brooklyn Nets should be enough. But again, we're still figuring things out, still trying to gel, and we haven't looked pretty yet. So the Nets play hard. They play good defense. It's a, it's going to be a tough game. I think we can pull it out, but going to need to, you know, play good defense, similar to how we played tonight, and then just kind of keep getting better on offense. Moving on to Tuesday, though, 
The Detroit Pistons are two and four this year. Uh, they also have a really, really good young guard in Cade Cunningham, former number one pick. Uh, they also have a good big man, uh, young big man, Jalen Duran, who he's been playing really well with this year. Uh, people were saying a team like the Pistons would be a really good matchup for the Bucks. Uh, that being that they also have some pretty good guards and just wings all around. Hirsch, is this a team that you're a little scared to play on Tuesday, especially coming off a of back-to-back? Definitely. I mean, when you look at, you know, the league's best, you know, backcourts, the Pistons don't necessarily come right to mind, but they have a guy like Cade Cunningham, who's a bigger, bigger point guard, uh, very physical, but also, you know, is a great playmaker and can see the floor. But, you know, they also have Jaden Ivey, who's a very, very quick, you know, athletic uh, guard, a lot like Emmanuel quickly. And I know he hasn't started out, you know, well this year, but he he can also, you know, catch fire at any time. And I've been to Bucks games before where Jaden Ivey's gone off against us. So, I've seen that happen. Uh, I've also seen, you know, Cade fill it up from the mid range. I think we're going to see a lot of mid range jumpers from Cade Cunningham, uh, him getting wide open off of that little flare action that they always run with their big men. Uh, Marvin Bagley's also had a good year for them off the bench. He's really proven that he can be, you know, a viable backup center and kind of carved out a role for himself in the league after, you know, what was a pretty rocky start to his career. So, yeah, the, the the Pistons definitely have a good young core of, you know, guys that they've got. Like you mentioned, Jalen Duran. They got Isaiah Stewart as well, who, you know, is learning how to shoot the three a little bit better. We've seen that this year. So, yeah, definitely interesting. Also, the fact that it's a back-to-back, you know, you 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 wonder how, you know, they're going to manage the guys' minutes, especially with a situation like Chris Middleton. Like, are we going to see it kind of like how we did last time where he, he didn't play one of the games? And then, you know, he was pretty active in the other one, or is he going to play in both? You know, we, we don't know that yet. That's, you know, a pretty interesting storyline. What do you think kind of would with Chris? Do you think he'll, you know, make an appearance in both games, or you think they're probably going to rest him in one of them and be cautious? Uh, I imagine in, you know, the early back-to-backs, you know, at this stage of the season, they'll probably rest him for those games or one of the two games. But I think that, you know, we ha- we're starting to see his minutes increase, and I think that, you know, he said – in an interview a little bit ago that he, you know, by game seven or eight that he expects to kind of be back on his full minutes. I don't know if that includes back-to-backs, but yeah, I just think the expectation right now should just be to expect to not see him in one of those two games. Definitely. I I, I agree. I think, you know, the Bucs need to be cautious. We need to, but we, I, I think we also do need to be diligent in ramping him up. I mean, you don't want him to necessarily go throughout the year uh, with, you know, not, not enough, tread on the tires you want him to you know be fully ramped up by you know at least you know halfway through the year and I think he will be um but I guess you know what are your thoughts kind of on the in-season tournament I know you know it was interesting to see the box pull out their city edition uniforms for the first time tonight uh as well as you know their new court that you know all the all the teams tonight are you know rocking their new court I mean we've seen some pretty interesting uh designs with the Miami Heat Chicago Bulls uh, you know, the the Nuggets have this blue core with the yellow stripe in the middle. So, you know, pretty interesting to see, at least, you know, looks-wise, how this in-season tournament's playing out, you know, with the just the new jerseys and the new courts. But, you know, I think definitely it's a good idea uh, for the league. I think, you know, it's going to kind of grow on us, kind of like how the play-in tournament did. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I at least so far, I think, you know, it's been a success. I don't, I don't – really necessarily see these guys trying less uh and just because it's you know a tournament game like i think 
it's going to be the same sort of motivation that it is for every uh, NBA game. So, yeah, I, I at least I think it's a good idea, and I, I like at least so far what I'm seeing. Yeah, with the in-season tournament, I mean, we've already seen a couple of these games, you know, have you have uh, endings that come right down to the wire, pretty electric. Um, the Nets and the Bulls, Nets, the Bulls had a shot that could have either, I think it was one or tie the game to go. Uh, it was, I think it was a Zach Levine three to, you know, win the game. Uh, and then you have the Warriors Thunder with a lot of controversy with the Draymond Green goaltending. And then right now we even look at the Grizzlies Blazers game, three point game. So it seems like these games have a playoff like intensity intensity to them. It at least felt like that in this Bucks game. I was like really nervous and <laughs> it's game five of the regular season. So I like that about it. Tyrese Halliburton had a quote saying something like he thinks it would be cool if the winner of the uh, in-season tournament got like a guaranteed playoff spot. Hirsch, what are your thoughts on that idea? Yeah, I definitely think, you know, they can provide a better incentive than just, you know, a monetary prize for the winning players. Um, and, you know, a tr- obviously, you know, these guys are going to want to win a trophy, especially for, you know, players that haven't necessarily won anything in their careers. Uh you know, even for guys like, you know, veterans like Chris Paul or Russell Westbrook or James Harden, you know, guys who have, you know, been been looked at throughout their career as, you know, guys who can't make it over the hump, uh, you know, may, maybe winning that in-season tournament trophy, I guess, you know, bolsters their legacy a little bit. Um, you know, we'll kind of see how that plays out because we've never really seen it happen before. Um, but yeah, you know, I guess a legendary in-season tournament run could necessarily could be in the cards for, you know, someone this year. And that could definitely be an interesting storyline to say the least, at least throughout the regular season, considering how, you know, in the last couple of years, the regular seasons kind of died, uh, when you look at, you know, popularity and, you know, how much it really matters for the, for the, for the overall, you know, fit, uh, you know, how it how it matters overall for the league i mean last year we saw the heat you know make it to the finals as an eight seed so um definitely a lot of questions about the regular season and i think having a tournament in the season you know that's pretty high intensity i think that's good for the league overall for sure yeah and i think a lot of people you know their complaints with the nba officiating you know one of the big given ones but uh, competitiveness just in the games, guys sitting out this, that, I think this just is a way to incentivize guys playing in regular season games and those games having more of a meaning other than just, all right, this is game X out of 82 to make it to the playoffs so we can get whatever spot. Right. So I just want to let, you know, I want to see it play out. I want to see how it plays out this first year. I think that it can be a good thing if it does end up growing on me, like the play, the, you know, play in tournament, or yeah, play in tournament did, I think it can only really be a good thing for the NBA. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, I think that's going to be it for today's episode of the Bucks and Six podcast. Make sure to leave a like, download, subscribe, and follow us on both Twitter and Instagram at Bucks and Six FFSN. I'm Hershey Winkleman. He's Stephen Dorff. And let's go Bucks.